0: Howdy Dream Cowboys.
1: Welcome back to the fourth episode of the fan-driven Westworld Recap Podcast.
0: Today we're going to be talking about Westworld Season 1, Episode 4, Dissonance Theory. Directed by Vincenzo Natali and written by Ed Brubaker and Jonathan Nolan. I'm James. And I'm Ryan. And this is the Westworld Podcast.
1: What an episode. I was impressed.
0: (sighs) Ah, episode four is in the bag, James, and it took me a long time, but I finally figured out, I think, with the big question this show is asking, and that is, is the human race even worth rooting for?
1: Or are we just a bunch of violent perverts who want to blow money on sex and gunplay?
0: Yeah, I think we might just all be Logan. (laughs) We'll get into it.
1: This episode was directed by, help me out here, I took French, you probably took Spanish, right?
0: I took French, Shit. so whatever, James. <laughs> um, he directed Vincen- by
1: Vincenzo Natale.
0: Oh, I said Vincenzo or something. You you sound much more educated.
1: Uh, he's a director of, of a couple of movies I like, Cube and Splice, which are both like science fiction horror suspense films. Have you seen either one of those?
0: I have not, but he also directed a bunch of Hannibal episodes, and I love Hannibal. All
1: right, cool. So we both have a different perspective on him, and he directed one hell of an episode of Westworld.
0: Yeah, this is probably my second favorite episode of Westworld behind the pilot now. I would I would now rank them pilot this one, episode three, and then episode two. Uh, it was... I mean... It was weird because we got loops, we got to see things we've already seen but in different ways from different perspectives and with a different soundtrack, and then we got to see just an immense amount of new things, just so many, with every question answered. I said last time that they add 10, they don't, they add like 20. Every time the Man in Black is on screen, they add jillions of questions.
1: Yeah, and the internet and basically every Westworld fan is going insane now with theories trying to figure all this out.
0: Yeah, and I don't know if it's a little annoying or not. I feel like it might be. Because because so many theories are out there, they flood my brain throughout the entire time I'm watching this episode. And thankfully, this episode was so good that like 20 or 30 minutes in, I suspended all disbelief and was 100% into it. But I had to say, for the first 15 minutes, I was just like, is this two timelines? I really hope not. That sounds really stupid. Is Bernard a host? He's getting kinda more hostly. Is Teresa a host? No, Dr. Robert Ford was super mean to her. Um <laughs> like and then eventually I just stopped thinking because the episode got so good. But uh, before that, I felt like I was bare- like I was half watching the episode. I was just trying to figure out the fan theories. And I think in the future, I just have to block that out completely. You can tell, though, that this
1: is exactly what HBO and what the producers of Westworld wanted. They wanted people live tweeting the show, talking about it on the internet, coming up with crazy theories, recording fan recap podcasts about it.
0: Yeah, And we fell for
1: it. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, it's a great show. This episode opens up with Dolores and Bernard talking in the lab, as they are wont to do. Dolores expresses her grief for her robot family, and her words mirror the way that Bernard had expressed his grief for his lost son.
0: Almost exactly. It was, they were almost the exact words. Like, Bernard was projecting onto Dolores 100%, which feels like something a human being would do. You know, uh, like subject a robot to their insecurities but <laughs> who even knows
1: dolores reveals her realization that there's something wrong with her life there's something wrong with her and that it doesn't feel right to her anymore bernard invites her to take on the maze which she claims is an opportunity to to gain one's freedom and she expresses her desire to do so
0: so I think it's pretty clear at the moment that the maze is the final Turing test. I think it's also pretty clear from what things have been said in the past that the way to actually finish the maze is to make a mistake. It's the last, like, vestige of of consciousness, as per Robert Ford. Um, Evan Rachel Wood is going to get an Emmy, James. She, you know that part where she was like crying, you know, because she was going through the death of her parents because she wasn't wiped because Bernie didn't wipe her. So she constantly has to be going through the death of her father and mother simultaneously because they just got shot. And then he was like, limit your emotions. And then she looks up and you're like, oh, my God, she's going to get an Emmy. Right. It's not clear when this
1: scene is taking place, though, because last we saw Dolores... She met up with William and Logan in the middle of the night, and it's in the middle of the night when the hosts get taken down to the lab by the techs, and then the next thing we see is her waking up with William and Logan, so did that happen in the night? Did they somehow spirit her away and then put her back before William and Logan woke up, or did this happen in her mind? Are these scenes with her and Bernard happening concurrently with the rest of the show or not? It's it's hard to know.
0: All of those questions, when you ask them in succession like that, make my brain hurt. But
1: when she does wake up, she is still with Jimmy and Logan, uh, who are continuing on the bounty quest they started last episode.
0: Right before she wakes up, she says, I think I want to be free. And Except uh,
1: that uh, Jimmy's name isn't Jimmy, like I keep saying, it's William. Jimmy's the name of the actor.
0: Yeah, and then we also call him Bill. We have about five (laughs) names for every character. So Dolores wants to be free. She's freaking out. Everything's going to be awful. She's definitely patient robot zero. And then she drops back into the lap of or stays where exactly she was uh, pending all of those questions you just asked. And she is back with William to just complicate his
1: life. Clementine and Maeve are talking in the saloon. Maeve continues her downward spiral of malfunction. She's having visual and auditory hallucinations and violent flashbacks of a time where some black hat newcomer shot up the entire saloon. And then also when the techs came in to clean up afterwards, it's uh, pretty grisly.
0: Clementine Pennyfeather best name is basically just a wall For Maeve to shout at right now because Clementine is nowhere near where Maeve or Dolores or Peter Abernathy, number one, who is currently in the basement, nowhere near the level of almost there that anyone else is. So Clementine Pennyfeather, best name, is just kind of there to keep saying the same thing over and over to Maeve for Maeve to just really freak out. Maeve says she has something on the tip of her tongue and she just doesn't know what to say and the audience is like, I bet it's about that genocide. Um, and then she's just, she's freaking out completely. The player piano is playing, uh, a forest by the cure, which I didn't know. I had to look up. I'll be, um, we're, a, this is a podcast full of honesty and, uh, Clementine is talking about how she got dicked real hard <laughs> and he, she keeps saying the way he used that thing. And then she just reverts, like she goes to the back of her or the front of her dialogue and is like, okay, let's start this all over again. (laughs) But in that flashback, Maeve, while being dragged away, is conscious slightly, looking up at the, you know, the technicians dragging her away. And you can hear like, while this is all happening, you can hear like Lee Sizemore screaming, I want her back on the floor now because I needed to add added pressure to this for whatever reason. And she grabs her stomach again because, you know, she feels like, Something happened there. Yeah, that was the spot that Elsie had sent her to be tuned up
1: for, but, you know, that got interrupted when she woke up on the operating room table and scared the shit out of the techs that were working on her. So apparently that didn't get resolved that night.
0: Or they just closed the wound and didn't...
1: At home, Maeve is inspecting her body, and she continues to have crazy flashbacks about the techs in their scary hazmat suits she draws a sketch of one of them and she's going to hide it under her floorboards but when she goes to place it in there she finds that she's already got a stack of the same drawings when she's tried to do this in the past it looks like she has a few weeks worth
0: like she's been doing it every day that was a awesome moment just a really cool moment these tv shows are a bunch of moments strung together and you only really need like one or two moments in an episode that are truly brilliant. This episode had uh, more than that, and this was one of them. That when she opened the floorboards, I kind of, I kind of uh, prethought like there might be more in there, and then there were way more than I thought there were going to be. Like it, it truly. This was actually probably the moment when I was able to go. Uh, and let go of all the weird, crazy fan theories that I just hope are wrong. And so I keep obsessing over them and waiting for them to be wrong. And it's when I could just throw that away and be like, gosh, dang, this is a good show. Down
1: in the lab, Teresa is chewing out Elsie and Stubbs for their handling of the stray incident. Teresa is blaming the programmers for writing glitches into the robots, and that's why the stray went crazy. Elsie's concerned there's something far deeper and worse going on, but like always, she gets shut down. Like, no,
0: Elsie. Stop trying to save the world, all right? Elsie is still an idiot. No one will listen to her. She is getting more brazen with everything that she says. Ashley in the background still looks like robots are bad. And Teresa is like, just fix it. And then the head-smashing woodcutter is naked. Sitting in the middle of a glass room. And do you know what we didn't see, James? No dong. Not one dong. Dong I... Watch 2016 stays at zero. You're watching this space, uh, and you are disappointed, like everyone else is. I, I, fe- I almost need to stop the show, I'm so mad. I don't, I don't, I don't actually. But still, though, <laughs> come on.
1: Elsie is really upset, and privately she voices her concerns to Bernard, who also shuts her down. She's like, he's kind of like, you know, know your place. You're just a tech. And he says that the the carving by the stray that her and Stubbs were so puzzled over isn't Orion. There's like one extra star, and so that's just a meaningless doodle that he made, apparently.
0: Then what is it, Bernie? He, if you're not, if you're gonna shoot down Elsie's plans and/or thoughts, then come out some with your own. Just don't be like, no, you're wrong. And then Elsie also said, "It's like everyone got a fucking agenda except for me." Um, the use of the f word in this show is my favorite. They re- they don't, they use it sparingly, and they only put it in like Elsie's mouth and Lawrence's mouth. Uh, and it's always for a nice little kick in the jaw. And uh, everybody's got a fucking agenda except for me, coming out of Shannon Woodward's Elsie, who I saw on Reddit people were calling, like, Discount Ellen Page. I do not think that's true. I don't think they look... Oh, that's terrible. They're both (laughs)
1: small. That's all they have. Back in the park, William and Logan are arguing about whether to continue the bounty quest or, as William wants to do, take dolores back home or help her in some way logan is like nah man you dragged me on this quest and now i'm invested i want to see it through also dolores was probably just sent here by the staff to give you somebody to bang anyway
0: he's saying this in front of dolores too though and if there's one robot that you don't want to be talking about how she's a robot and saying the word robot loudly at her face it is dolores um william says can you stop trying to kill or fuck everything uh and and ben barnes who plays logan is actually so good i it was overshadowed by how annoying logan as a character was but uh i liked him more this episode like as a character i was not just annoyed by him I kind of got it a little bit more where he was coming from. I mean, granted, he is really still a prick, as William pointed out to him. But I do like him a little more as a character. Logan is really impressed with the park at
1: this point, and he hints at that his and William's company should increase their stake in the park. At which point, William, a little bit, a little confused. It's like, hey, I thought this was to celebrate me joining your family. I didn't think we were here on business. And Logan's like, well, with my family, it's all business. So we're getting a lot of bombs dropped about Logan and William and potentially why they're here.
0: Yeah, I mean, how big of a stake does their company have in Westworld? Is their company Delos? Right, exactly. If the company isn't Delos, who are they? And... (sighs) I don't know. It's just good. You added like six questions in that one second.
1: The man in black and Lawrence are still searching for the maze. The man in black is taking his hint really literally. And he's like cutting up physical snakes.
0: Yeah. Like, well, I mean, you have to get, he's not the audience. He doesn't have Reddit to go to and read everything that might be going on. He has to actually eliminate options. When someone says something about a snake, you find all the snakes and you see how it goes. Uh, at this point, the snake thing was not working out for him. Uh, but thankfully, something else happened. <laughs> yeah, they spot Armstice bathing in the river. Naked, uh, yeah, boobs quite naked. out. No dong yet, by the way. Just <laughs> reminding everyone of that.
1: And she has a body length snake tattoo curving around her naked body, which. Uh...
0: Is too much for me. I, know I wouldn't get such a big tattoo if I were her. I mean, it's a giant tattoo. I like it. Armistice is a fun lady. Um, and uh, Lars this whole time is like... Like, the man in black is talking to him like he didn't just kill his wife. And Lars is very much like... I mean, you did. You did just kill my wife.
1: Yeah, he's being really palling around with him. It seems like they probably had a really nice rapport in other storylines where the man in black hung out with him. So he's just like, come on, man. Friends. I killed your robot family. It doesn't matter.
0: Just get over it, man. We're the best of buds. And then, uh, the man in black says that he's, uh, he's read this book. He's read the whole story except for the last page. Again, another metaphor for he's probably been in this park for the last 30 years. So many times where he's done every quest that, every host has for him there's only one more to go
1: they get surrounded by Armstice's gang and he questions her as to what they're doing out here she says she's on a search for a very important thing he says well Lawrence and I'll join you and kills two of their men so that there's two empty spaces for them and he points a gun at one guy who he thinks is a host and isn't able to kill him so it turns out She's got some newcomers with her.
0: Yeah, some newcomers have taken up on the cool snake quest, which is pretty cool for them, uh, because I it seems like one of the cooler quests that there are. <laughs> um, and it seems as though they're all on a treasure hunt to receive something of great value. And, uh, and Ed Harris, since he is the most experienced man in this park by far, you know, minus Dr. Robert Ford, uh and he has a gun that can kill most people except for the when I mean, he did you see his face when he couldn't kill those people was like dang really wanted to murder them he was really annoyed he's like ah oh, humans ugh.
1: Oh, I, I only like talking to robots very arnold of him good point Stubbs and another security officer are in the map room discussing how dolores has abandoned her loop They aren't really sure if it's due to something that Robert Ford has changed or not, so they send out one of the hosts to contact her.
0: So this was the first interaction within the series that I truly hated and I thought was bad. Uh, The lady who is telling Ashley Stubbs that Dolores is off loop says something to the effect of the boss is disrupting so many narratives, it's hard to tell. Um, And the acting was really bad. Uh, Sorry, lady who did that. I don't know who your name is, but I'm sorry. And uh, it was just not a a good line.
1: In the small Mexican town from episode two, Dolores encounters Lawrence's daughter, who is being really cryptic, and she's drawing what looks to be the maze in the sand, and when Dolores tries to talk to her, she's like, oh, you already know me. We've met a long time ago, which causes Dolores to have some crazy flashback to a previous storyline and we get a lot of shots of a church with a high steeple maybe the black burned town church
0: who knows it goes with mine and many other people's theories that that town that robert ford looked at with the black uh, chapel raising above the sand is basically you know buried now Uh, And because it was the old chapel 30 years ago during the critical failure that uh, probably burned down. And apparently Lars's daughter, whether or not she was his daughter 30 years ago uh, and Dolores had something pretty large to do with that. Because in the flashback, we saw Dolores entering the church and seeing uh, Lars's daughter in some different clothing. And then we also see Dolores um, bending down in front of a grave. And I paused it, and the grave says Dolores Abernathy. What? Yeah, so is Dolores another person back then that she was at the grave of and that she took over for? Did she kill the old Dolores? Uh, Or is it her own grave where she found out she was supposed to be dead but wasn't?
1: Yeah, that's pretty weird. I wonder, you know, they say the robots change roles all the time. Maybe Dolores Abernathy is a really important character and so there always needs to be one. I don't know. Maybe it's like the main character of the park or something.
0: Perhaps. I I, I believe, and actually we had a we had a fan theory. We actually had a, a tweet this week from a follower of ours, uh, Vince Pinnock. He said, Men in Black was sent by Ford to find Arnold's maze and uses Dolores. And then in parentheses, Arnold's wife who died and he recreated to be sentient to find it. I also believe that Dolores is a copy of somebody, uh, perhaps either Arnold's wife or Ford's wife or something to that effect. But I, I, I think it also speaks to how her robot is or has been possibly always a centerpiece of this park.
1: A host comes in to escort Dolores back to her loop and she refuses to go with him. And she even it seems like she puts her hand on her gun for a second. When William steps in, is like, oh, no, this robot's with me. Don't worry about it.
0: Yeah, so was was that, uh, it felt like a robot being sent to to wrangle, like, the cows?
1: Yeah, and Dolores now isn't even following must what must be, like, a basic host protocol, which is stay in your loop, and if someone wants you, <laughs> from the technician's area, wants
0: you in a certain place, you better go there. But thankfully, our white knight is here, and, and William makes sure that, you know, as we move towards the end of the world, it keeps really heading there on a steady pace. The men in black and the other
1: bandits and the other newcomers are up on a hill watching Armstice discuss the location of what she's looking for with two other cowboys. And as soon as she gets whatever she wants from them, she shoots them both dead. I'm not really sure what the point of this scene was other than, like, Armstice is a badass.
0: That's the only thing it was for. That's all it was for. Um, She was down there, and then they had the setup line, which is, like, she said that she was going to give the signal if the information was good. And then she shoots both of them, and I was like, I guess the information was okay. Um, Not great. If it was great, she wouldn't have shot them. Or maybe if if it was great, she would have shot them faster. Who even knows? But, yeah, all this scene was was, hey, audience. Do you remember Armistice? She's so cool. Yeah, we really need a
1: character to say her name already so we can pin down the correct pronunciation. Did that happen yet? Mm, I don't think so. No, I don't, I don't think so. Either. That night, Dolores and William are talking together about her life in the park, but they aren't really able to connect and understand one another that well. He's like, yeah, I, you know, I I thought... They would have you guys in certain zones or paths. And she's like, yeah, you know. Oh my god. Stop
0: telling the robots. They're (laughs) robots.
1: God. Yeah. If you wanted to drive Dolores insane, William's basically doing the best he could.
0: He's doing such a good job. She's saying like, she was talking about how they always had to bring in the cows. And then she one day realized that the reason she was bringing in the cows was for slaughter. And I was like, are you talking about the cows? or?" the robots or and then she says some, like from the trailer sometimes i feel like something's calling me telling me there's a place for me and then william's like i know that feeling i know, understand exactly what you're talking about whatever logan's sister me and you dolores forever
1: looking up at the moon dolores suddenly flashes back to a time when the techs were recovering her and her family so her and Maeve are basically going through the same experience concurrently it seems
0: yeah so when she looked up the moon i thought um is ed harris's face gonna be the moon like in the truman show but it wasn't it was sad and then the moon turns into a lab light which yeah Maeve and her are going through the same exact thing basically at the same time although that makes sense um dolores passed on the verbal virus violent delights have violent ends to Maeve only I don't know, what I don't know how many days but not that long after that Dolores started going downhill and then it kind of looked like Dolores and William were going to kiss for like a second but they also looked like really scared like she looked scared and then she kind of looked down at his mouth for a moment like do I want to get do I want to get all up in there nah
1: nah, nah I I'm going to marry a real person
0: or just destroy the world
1: The man in black and his bandito friends are sitting around a campfire. This is is actually my favorite character interaction of this episode. Two of the newcomers come over to talk to the man in black. And they're like, I just want to say I'm a really big fan of your work. Your foundation saved my sister's life. And he shuts them down. He's like, shut the fuck up. I'm here on vacation. I don't want to
0: break character. All right. He says if you say one more word, I'll cut your throat which would probably be the first time a guest in the park has died in over thirty years. But do you think if Ashley Stubbs heard that the man in black cut someone's throat, he'd be like, That guest can do whatever he wants.
1: <laughs> yeah, right, exactly.
0: He's like, uh well, he's a pretty VIP guest. I guess if he wants to cut that guy's throat. Um, so it sounds like uh and the and the first comment on the top of the post Uh, reddit discussion for this episode was the man in black is bill gates on a vacation which right and that's how he can afford to stay here for so long at forty thousand dollars a day and afford to come as often as he had to to finish over 200 quest lines but yeah you're so you're so i loved that interaction he said the f word again they are again using the f word in just the best ways uh this is my fucking vacation (laughs) like god and Harris is is good. And yeah, it was absolutely one of my favorite conversations in the episode. Yeah, I love his commitment to the roleplay. Yeah, he wants to be immersed. This is his game. This is the final thing you get. It sounds like he is planning to die. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, it's possible. Death
0: by Westworld indulgence, basically. Which I think is the best case scenario for him. I think if he dies at the end of the maze, his life is complete.
1: The man in black questions Armistice about her tattoo and about Arnold and about Arnold's death. He lets her in on the truth about the maze and he tells her he'll help her on her search quest if she'll help him. And she decides to join up with him.
0: Yeah, so this is a bunch of exposition all at once. Uh, and. uh, he asks our if she's ever heard of Arnold. And she's like, nah. He explains him as an original settler of these parts. And he says, this is a world where you can do anything except one thing. You can't die. And it's only a gym if you can't die. Um, and then Arnold you know, broke his own rule in his own park where you can't die because he you know, did. <laughs> and um, there's only one story left to tell for the Man in Black. One with real stakes, real violence. And, uh, you know, he thinks and he tells Armistice straight to the lady's face that her tattoo is the next piece of his puzzle. And she's just like, her, she doesn't look as, um, I'll say disconcerted again. Although I, I, have a new, I have a new word this week and it's oh, yeah. unsettled. There you go. She did not look as unsettled as Dolores does, you know, because Armistice isn't uh, ha- hasn't had that verbal virus passed on to her yet. When And when that happens, it will be fun. But she's just like, okay, well, if that's what you're talking about, that's what you're talking about.
1: The next day, the man in black and Lawrence are handcuffed and in a carriage, being escorted somewhere by a U.S. marshal. The man in black's got these apparently super fancy cigars that he tries to smoke in the carriage but the u.s marshal's like there's no smoking in this west world carriage and he takes them from him but the the man in Black's able to hold on to one the man brought to... can
0: do whatever he wants
1: <laughs> yeah at that point ashley stubbs was talking straight to the robot's brain he's like you could let him smoke in there if he wants to they're brought to a desert jail where the head jailer reveals that lawrence is the most wanted man in the territory which is pretty cool lawrence is kind of boring for me up until this point but that's cool to know
0: yeah he's the most wanted man in three territories um the man in black is still talking to him like he didn't just kill his wife and lars is still like no i still remember (laughs) i have like any sense of a memory so i do remember you killed my wife they lock up the man in black and once he gets in to the cell he has a cellmate yeah and it's everyone's favorite outlaw hector it's your favorite outlaw, Hector, although many people do like him. As Lawrence is about to be put up against
1: the wall, the Man in black and Hector discuss their basic philosophies of outlawing. In what was pretty funny dialogue, the Man in black reveals that he's not really that big of a fan of Hector. He sees him as kind of like generic
0: and too, too broad appeal for him. You always seemed like a market te- market tested kind of thing. Was I think my favorite line of the episode? He you seem like a focus group created you. And Hector, you know, you know that doesn't make any sense to him, so he doesn't uh, say anything at all about that. And then we finally get Hector's monologue.
1: Yeah, what does he say? He's like, "There's there's two kinds of people in this world."
0: Yeah, I believe that only the truly brave. Only the Truly Brave can experience all of it, but either way, all of this is going to end badly. The man in black
1: lights up his cigar, which turns out to have a piece of dynamite hidden in it, I guess. At the same time, Stubbs and the other people in the map room get a notice that someone in the park is trying to use an explosive and they give clearance to do so.
0: Yeah, Ashley says the man in black can do whatever he wants once more and lets his cigar be a piece of dynamite and blow up a thing. Kinda of felt like uh like the Acme Corporation maybe made the cigars, like this was a Roadrunner cartoon all of a sudden. But I was like, you know, whatever. It's it's a fantasy world. The man in black is the richest person on Earth, probably, or depending on where Westworld is, another planet maybe. And you know, he just breaks the door and as he breaks the door, Step lively, Hector. Hector, you're the laziest man on Mars. If we are on Mars, it's a big mystery. Although, actually, I was reading an interview with Jonah Nolan, and he said, if people pay attention by the end of this season, we will know where Westworld is. After breaking out of the jail, they save Lawrence just as
1: he's about to be gunned down, and Lawrence says what is apparently his catchphrase.
0: Motherfucker! Motherfucker. <laughs> I like it. Lars is my favorite. And I hope uh, this is a running gag. I hope uh, Lars is always going to be in a blindfold and then he believes he's going to die. And then Ed Harris is standing there, takes it off, and he says motherfucker every time. If it happened every episode, it wouldn't be too much.
1: I like how in our episode two recap, you were all about Lawrence and I was all about
0: Lars and now we've switched places inexplicably. Well, now I believe... I'm more attached to him now, so I'm calling him Lawrence like he's my son. They rendezvous with Armistice, who reveals her
1: tragic backstory, wherein her entire village was slaughtered, leaving her as the only survivor.
0: Yeah, she says, I was seven when they rolled in masked men, devil horns, which sounds like something we've seen recently. Um, they killed everyone. They gutted my mother from her jaw to her sex. Amazing line. Pretended to be dead she was. That was Variota of me. And uh she was just kept rubbing people's blood on top of her to pretend that she was dead, and only the head of the snake was left. He has many names. But the one I know him by is Wyatt. Bum bum bum
1: So how many backstories
0: has Ford changed already since last episode? I guess a lot of them, and Wyatt has everything to do with it, which makes me think like, is the Wyatt backstory a huge metaphor for the downfall of Arnold? Is it um a big metaphor for the hubris that this park is is currently you know perpetuating it 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 feels like this is so planned by Ford that there has to be There will be a monologue for why he did all of this. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, his supervillain monologue just as he destroys the world. And hopefully in episode nine. Back in Sweetwater, the settlers watch as some Native Americans walk through town to the train station. A little Native girl drops a wooden carving which resembles a tech in a hazmat suit. Much to Maeve's terror. Maeve freaks out when she sees this.
0: Yeah, she runs it down, picks it up, asks them, what is this? What is this? And people say, or right, it's, it's part of their religion, which the native's religion in that case is the truth so is that purposeful like the dreams are purposeful or like the nightmares are where they give them nightmares so that if they believe and or don't get wiped that they just think that those are nightmares is this religion for the natives the same thing where like if they just see those things they'll think oh that's just god but also arnold tried another version of that where they where the uh robots believed that what was happening in their heads was just from god directly this is just an indirect god, I feel. In the saloon, Clementine and Maeve are discussing some new
1: customers who have come into town, and Mave suspects that they're part of Hector's gang.
0: Yeah, Clementine Pennyfeather' best name is uh, <laughs> it was going to give a a dude a discount, but that dude was also a host. So they get to the end of the conversation where they're about to have sex and like and get into it with a discount. And but then they're both hosts, so like there's really nothing to do, so they kind of just look around and wait for it to be over and then Clementine Pennyfeather Beth's name walks away, It was really funny. We find out the going rate five
1: dollars or four dollars if you take a bath first i you know i w- I would take the bath to save the dollar. me too, I'm frugal in one of the apartments. Teresa's getting dressed after spending time in bed with Bernard. They discuss how she seems stressed lately. And it has to do with all the sudden changes that Ford is pushing through and an upcoming visit from the board, which is happening soon. The board of Delos, somewhere else, Logan and William's company, it's not clear.
0: As Teresa gets out of the bed, she says, you, know, you gave me what I needed. <laughs> that is savage, Teresa. Robert Ford was savage to Bernard earlier in this season when he was just like, remember, Bernard, your son's dead. And then Teresa is savage right here when she's just like, whatever, man. You gave me the sex. That's all I needed. And then she's like, tomorrow I need to talk to Ford. And she needs to buy some time. And she puts her hands across her belly, to which uh, Bernie's like, don't cover your belly. It's the most vulnerable part of every animal. (laughs) And uh, sometimes, despite your best efforts, Teresa says, you can actually be quite charming. And then they make out more, and it's so gross.
1: It really got me thinking. Like with all these, with all this perception, and all these different things Bernard is pointing out, you're starting to seem really robotic, Bernard.
0: Yeah, he is. And out of all the fan theories that enrage me, Bernard being a robot was one of them. Um, but this episode. Kind of softened my view on it. Like, now if that actually does happen, I won't be very mad about it. Next, we get what is probably the
1: most important scene of this episode. Does it have Anthony Hopkins in it? Like every other very important scene. Yes, it does. That's crazy, dude. Keep going. Somewhere in Westworld, Robert Ford is undertaking a massive construction operation as part of his new narrative. He's got this giant construction machine, which is just boring, a giant canyon into the landscape
0: what is ford fucking doing dude he has gone from a bumbling old man to a foreman on a construction project the world has never seen like the biggest one there's a huge rock moving thing all of the robots around him are basically slaves
1: yeah they absolutely look like a chain gang out there in their different outfits mining and digging
0: Teresa says, we're concerned with the extent of the changes, which just means, like, you're doing way too much crap, man, and we are afraid. Again, Dr. Robert Ford says something that is not old kooky Ford. It is in control. I'm God Ford. And he says, you've imagined I've gone mad. Yeah, dude. Obviously.
1: Yeah, Teresa asks to be let in on his big plan, saying that she wants
0: to help to help keep his legacy which he scoffs and laughs at like okay you really don't like this place do you ford brings up arnold
1: again and discusses how him and arnold never really wanted this kind of bureaucratic oversight that they're getting from the board he says that in the beginning they felt like gods and at this point he tries to intimidate Teresa. By demonstrating his complete control over the hosts, he freezes them all in place without he doesn't even seem to move or do anything to achieve this, all the hosts just freeze in place.
0: You said tries to intimidate. I believe it is successfully intimidates. Um and Teresa says, you know, I came here once as a child, and then she has this like weird piece of dialogue where she's like, It might have been this seat or it might have been that seat over there. I don't know. It, it, I did. I came here as a child, and and but when I started working here, I realized it really wasn't for me. And then Ford brings up Arnold again. I'm like, ugh, oh my god, if you love Arnold so much, just marry him. He had a bet with Arnold, right in the beginning, that the thing that the whole park would uh, be balanced or something to that effect. And Arnold always had a dim view of people. He says again, always talking to the robots, you know, as Bernie does, except for you know, I guess with Teresa. Although, you know, Teresa can be a robot, too. Everyone, a bunch of people think Teresa's a robot, too. There's a thread on Reddit for everybody in the show, like, X is definitely a robot. And then the first comment is like, you're an idiot. And the second comment is like, you're my savior. Thank you very much for this theory. Teresa threatens him back, saying that the board will agree with her
1: and they'll send a representative into the park. Ford says they already have and that he's aware of who it is. And that his narrative will be ready soon. And as he's saying this, that giant construction vehicle starts tearing into the landscape behind them. Really aggressively.
0: He also says he knows about Bernard. How? How does he know about Teresa and Bernard? Is Again, that adds more fodder to Bernard as a robot. And Ford's just downloading what he sees out of his eyes or something. Teresa realizes she is sitting in the same place at the same table that she was at with her parents that she's had him when they when they came as children or when she was a child and as she's getting more intimidated she starts smoking because that's what she does when she's stressed and when he says the rep is already here uh is logan the rep is the man in black the rep or do we not know who the rep is yet he also makes a comment that he says we know everything about our guests
1: and our employees so yeah it was never any secret to me that you and bernard were banging that's pretty creepy he sees you when you're sleeping and he knows when you're awake
0: (laughs) how does he know all these things though like he can't download human minds or can he william and logan have finally caught up
1: with the bounty they've been chasing they find them at some frontier homestead where they're terrorizing the local family they burst in and they shoot down all the enemy hosts. But all I could think in this scene is like, Oh, Ryan is right. Logan's got a stupid hat.
0: Right? So dumb. It's a small little dinky stupid hat, and if you're gonna make a if you're gonna have a black hat, have one, I don't know, like the man in black. The man knows his hats. Logan, you have to come here twenty years more and learn over time that your hat game is crap. Logan trades his gun for one of the fallen host's
1: guns, which if there's something that's totally going to come up in a later episode, I really think that's going to be it. I think that is for sure. Because he, they, they lingered
0: on that for so long. He's like,
1: "Ah, oh, sweet. Upgrade. Upgrade. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Like he just found a new gun in a video game.
1: There have been so many literal
0: Chekhov's guns in this show so far. I know, and then as Logan is going in, he says, "Let's go fuck these fuckers up," which is like I think was the line. My my view on him turned. I was like, <laughs> I kind of like this guy. The Man in Black and
1: Lawrence are traveling through the desert, where they come across a beaten and bloody Teddy
0: who's been tied to a post. Left he didn't in the die. Sun. He didn't die. Didn't Actually, hang Dong either. He didn't exactly, naked, on a tree, rotting, no dong, nothing to be seen. But he also didn't die, although I would argue him rotting on a tree was worse. Yeah,
1: if if the sweet release of death is just going to bring me back fine and ignorant the next day, the worst thing you can do to, to a host is tie them up and leave them somewhere where they're going to
0: suffer. And what is more tragic than Teddy Flood begging for death? Begging for another death which he did and the man in black was like
1: nah on the way back to town logan betrays the sheriff host they've been with this whole time killing him so that him and william can go to the bandit camp which logan thinks is going to be an awesome time william is pissed he's like why are you such an asshole in the park why did you turn into a psychopath
0: yeah william is absolutely supposed to be the moral compass audience here you know why do you come to this place and become an awful person? And I think Logan makes like a decent point where he's like, "This is a, it's a theme park, man. You can do whatever you want here." I felt like William was being like a little bit of a little a little bit of a wuss. I mean, I get that that's his deal and that's what he has to say. There's no version of this where William's like, you know, you're right, and then he just shoots everybody, including Dolores. Um, but like, the, the, I don't know. I think Logan had a decent point, although you could see like. William's first time there this is all a bit much for him to have to go through and then Logan says at some point like you're going to grow to love me which i thought like is he talking about the, his character cuz he's right or um him to william which i don't think is correct i think william will uh detest him more and more over time but
1: logan's point is that this is all just a fantasy it's all just a game he's not being a bad person Because this isn't really him, and these aren't really people that he's torturing.
0: No, they're robots, and he screams that in front of Dolores.
1: And he says, this is all just a game, isn't it, Dolores? Dolores is mortified. She's totally breaking down. She's like, William, what is he talking about? She's terrified. I really felt bad for her at this moment.
0: Just etch an
1: Emmy into her back. Logan convinces William to go black hat with him. And they leave together for the bandit camp without Dolores. And it's yeah. unclear what happened to Dolores.
0: And they, uh, Logan calls it an Easter egg, which is a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, I want to play an MMO with Logan.
0: Yeah, me too. He seems like a good guy. He seems like if you were like in a six-man group, he'd be the Leroy Jenkins. Stubbs and the techs oversee the map room
1: as Hector and his gang attack Sweetwater again, in, in the same fashion they did in episode one.
0: He shoots the sheriff, as he always does. The new one this time, though, as he takes off of his blanket. Um, and he starts with him and Armistice and his gang like he did before. Uh, going into the town with a new song, though. It was not painted black this time. It was that song from Carmen. Uh, Harambe, I think is his name. Yeah, I think it's Harambe from Carmen. Is, is, does that song really have the same name as, as the gorilla who got shot? No, definitely not. (laughs) No, it's habanera. It's habanera from Carmen. I just, I remembered it being real close to harambe. Like the pepper? Yes. Hector walks into the
1: saloon like he did last time, but Maeve immediately puts a gun to his head and forces him to come with her.
0: Because she knew, man. She knew.
1: Yeah, she's probably having the same foresight that dolores had when the other
0: hosts came to her house exactly they are both on the same plane as of like super messed up at this point to the to the point where they are all they are seeing their past very very clearly Maeve takes hector to the
1: upstairs where the safe is kept and she offers him the contents in exchange for info she shows him a picture of one of the techs in the hazmat suits and asks him what it is Hector explains that it's a shade, which is a piece of Native American lore. Shades are said to be demons, which traverse between this world and the higher spirit world. As Armstice is totally getting blown apart by the sheriff and his men outside, Maeve asks Hector to cut her in the same place where she had been shot by the black hat newcomer in her memory.
0: I didn't want him to so badly because it's not in him right now. He is not, Eva virus, and it didn't happen. He would not cut her, which was, it It felt good for one, for a robot to be doing what he was supposed to be doing right there, and then, you know, Ashley Stubbs up top cuts them all off, which has now set a ticking clock on the Mave hector conversation, so they have to figure this out real quick, because the cavalry is coming
1: yeah when he refuses to do it she does it herself and inside her abdomen she finds the bullet from that previous encounter and the look on her face is one of like absolute relief she says i'm not crazy and none of this matters and she kisses hector as the lawmen shoot down the door presumably killing them through the
0: door and the episode ends and you're like dang this show's good throughout all of that Hector says that to see a shade is, like, is, is a good thing. It's like a good omen. You see the man, the men who walk between worlds. They're sent from hell to oversee this world. And it's great. Like it's actually a good thing. It's known to be a good thing. To find out and, and look at these shades. To see the quote masters who pull their strings. Which he literally says. He said that. Out loud. That's like a thing they told him to say they programmed him to say that that's insane and it kind of adds to this religion is a lot like the nightmares it's added specifically because uh it it lets all of these people know that if they do see this stuff don't worry about it it's just god you're fine it was revealed in that scene with mave and the
1: native little girl and her wood carving that the native americans have some special insight into the text and maybe into the true nature of the park and then in the scene where he was talking to the man in black, it's revealed that Hector is half-native, and so he's privy to those same insights, perhaps?
0: Yeah, or at least he, he knows who Mave might need to talk to next, which will be interesting because the next time Mave and Hector speak, Hector's not going to remember this, but Mave will. And Mave is going to have to be like, hey, 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 yeah, yeah, let's not do all the stuff we need to do before we get to the important stuff. I need you to take me to somebody right now. All in all,
1: I thought this was a great episode. I know I said this about the last one, but I feel like this might be my favorite now, actually. You had listed your preference for episodes, and honestly, for me, it might go 4-3-1-2.
0: Really? Yeah. You're going to put the third episode above... Oh, you did. You put the third episode above the pilot last week. You put the fourth episode above the pilot, too. You know, everyone's entitled to their opinion this is my immediate reaction
1: we're gonna do a post-season show where we're gonna analyze all of this and i'm sure our opinions are gonna change and you know maybe my ranking is gonna change as well
0: yeah absolutely um just like a a quick recap of everything the dong meter is uh dangerously low still at zero we did not see sideburns trevor at all this episode rebus is uh, his name uh, the guy that Dolores shot last episode in the farmhouse, and then and then ran away from. He was Trevor was not in this episode. You know, and just to and... be clear,
1: Brady and I aren't all about the dongs. We like our naked ladies too, but we're you know we're equal opportunity <laughs> HBO nudity supporters, which you know we're definitely not getting these days,
0: huh? No, and we're getting a bunch of booebs, and there are so many booebs. There's booebs every episode. Our mistresses we were here this time, and i'm not saying they were bad they were great but like how about we even it out guys you know as we are joking about this though and it is kind of messed up though right like it is messed up
1: oh yeah it's definitely sending the message that like naked women is a normal thing to see a naked man no sir
0: nobody wants to see dicks
1: I guess. It's, it just kind of reinforces the idea that, oh, HBO is for men and it's for the male gaze. And if you're here to be a girl and turned on, you're in the wrong place.
0: Which is untrue, because I most of the people I talked to on Twitter this week were ladies. A lot of ladies were talking this week about how they really liked the show. Um, I did see a few uh, tweets here or there that were like, there's a bunch of useless violence in the show, just like Game of Thrones. Uh, so I'm not going to watch it. And I was like, I mean, that person doesn't like Game of Thrones either because of the same thing. Because I just don't think they like fantasy or things that are set in high sci-fi.
1: Right. And without getting too SJW about the whole thing, we should point out it's not just, it is the perceived straight male gaze. I mean, there are also, there are men and ladies out there who'd like to see a little bit more guy action on screen. You know, Logan, Logan being one of them. If Logan were watching this show, he'd be like, where are the dongs?
0: He would be because he is a bisexual, and we haven't. But and we got to see him in like a little in a weird orgy, and we're like, yeah. I assume you didn't watch the next week on again, correct?
1: No, you can go ahead and spoil whatever was in it, though. We got we got to get to the theories next, anyhow.
0: Yeah, I'm going to. Um, <laughs> uh, the big one is the first thing was like, have you been dreaming again, Dolores? Ford and Dolores meet once more, and then uh, he, we also see that. Next week, the man in black and Dr. Robert Ford will meet and actually speak to each other, which uh, makes me think perhaps the man in black is that representative from the board.
1: But if so, why is it important for him or the board to know what's going on in the maze? Is the board expecting some kind of crazy breakthrough in AI and that's what they're really waiting on? Like they don't care about this narrative. They want the new conscious robot to come out so they can sell them as companions or something i don't know what is the what is the the capitalist desire to have a sentient robot like how do you market that
0: i don't know but i i think it might just be like they know he's hiding something from them and they're a bunch of uh rich people i mean you don't get on a board Of Westworld without being a wealthy individual who has made uh, a bunch of money throughout their entire lives and has some sense of entitlement and they don't like secrets being kept from them probably so what about did we get any uh, interesting theories on Twitter oh my god we got so many cool things on Twitter thank you everybody who was talking to me on the tweets this week I I was uh, just constantly never alone this week just talking about Westworld when I asked last night uh what everybody thought of the episode uh sam eater of gravy at miss megalodon which is a wonderful twitter handle said it was balls. i believe she was correct i also put up my first re- reaction in the and the tweet that has gotten the most likes and or retweets that we've put up so far was at the end i said uh something about the pace again just because it is moving so fast like and and I, I read an interview with Jonah Nolan and Lisa Joy where they are breaking the second uh, season right now without official renewal from HBO. Although every, every week keeps getting more people watching the show, you know, when it's not facing a presidential debate. Although, last night, it was facing head-to-head against the season opener of The Walking Dead. And the prevalent thing I saw with people hashtagging Westworld, so, you know, within this bias... Was, you know, The Walking Dead sucks now and we're going to watch Westworld. I'm sure if I was uh, at the hashtag The Walking Dead, people were like, Westworld sucks, Walking Dead for life. Crazy theory I had, aside from
1: the obvious Bernard or Teresa are definitely either both hosts or one of the other are hosts, that's going to be a thing. Basically right now what they could do to shock me is have Teresa or Bernard both be humans.
0: I think Teresa is still human. I think Bernard, I'm leaning towards robot at this point. Somebody who is, we believe to be human, will James Marsden slash Teddy flood us first episode and become a robot? I just don't know who yet. And it will be interesting to see if it's in the first season. I bet it will be. I bet, I'm, assumably that reveal is, uh, has to be something that is like, you know, seen at the season
1: finale. One theory I've got, religion is going to come into play in a big way. So far, the robots haven't really professed any strong religious proclivity, any kind of Christian themes, but there definitely was a storyline where they were in church. We flash back to that this week. Something went wrong, I think, in incorporating religion into Westworld, and maybe it's got something to do... With that bicameral theory where the robots went crazy when they became religious with Arnold or something, religion's got a role to play here, and so far it's been absent.
0: Yeah, the bicameral mind is the name of the season finale this uh, for this season, so it's definitely going to come back. Uh, religion and Wyatt are are a huge part of this Ford narrative that feels like a metaphor for something that Arnold did, because Arnold, he can't shut up about Arnold. As much as I want to keep digging, I think the Internet digs so hard that uh, staying on the surface for this show is is so difficult because there are so many things that just actually happen and so many actual facts that you learn that it's hard to keep track of both those and everything else, you know, and plus like balance the fact that uh, I basically signed us up to do a let's play with like three other podcasts of Red Dead Redemption 2. So uh, you're doing that, by the way. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, look forward to that everybody.
0: So if you follow our Twitter,
1: you'll you should know Ryan is basically the Twitter guy. I pop in every now and then to just like or retweet or reply to something and I had tweeted my extreme pleasure with the idea of George R. R. Martin's proposed Westworld Game of Thrones crossover. Which was hypothetical at first, but now George R. R. Martin has sat down with Nolan and Joy to talk about the logistics of this crossover and how it would work. So Brady then later went on to explain that that was a tweet I had sent and that he is not in support of the crossover idea. So already we've got some divergent opinions happening here.
0: Yeah, fight me, dude. I don't want that at all. Keep my favorite things separate. They are the th- they are, they are by themselves so wonderful, and if you mix them, you can make it awful, and I hate change. Also, I think they got together to just talk about whatever, and, you know, if George R.R. R. R. Martin got a call and was like, would you like to meet Jonathan Nolan? And he's like, uh, yeah, let's go talk to Jonathan. I hope that George R.R. R. R. Martin just asked him questions about Chris the entire time. I would be psyched if it
1: would happen. I just like to see wacky, weird shit (laughs) like this crossover would be hilarious to me. I doubt it's actually going to happen. George R. R. Martin's been trying to write the same book for like 10 years now. So I don't have a lot of confidence in him panning out any of his big plans.
0: I think if this happens, it will be both shows jumping the shark. So the only way I will allow this to happen in my brain is if it's like, a pre-Emmy sketch a la everybody walking into the office from all those different shows like six or seven years ago. And to kind of wrap this one up, James, four days ago, Evan Rachel Wood tweeted that episode five is going to be amazing. She tweeted that four days before episode four came out. And then episode four was this. Like what? What?
1: Yeah, I really wonder. I think it's probably gonna have to do with some Man in Black revelations and his relationship to Robert Ford. Maybe one of them kills the other. That's my prediction. Somebody dies. Somebody important dies next episode, Game of Thrones style. Maybe at the end of the episode, and then we're all gonna be like, "Oh shit, it's just like Game of Thrones." Uh,
0: if I had to, I'll I'll take a I'll take a stab. Maybe Dolores kills Teddy. Hmm. That'd be neat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, place your death your death pool bets now.
1: Let us know, guys. Tweet us who's gonna die in episode five. And it
0: will it just be our imaginations?
1: Winner gets assigned the Westworld podcast T shirt, which is just we're gonna take a white T shirt and sharpie the words Westworld podcast on it.
0: I was about to say we don't we do not have T shirts.
1: Yeah, well, we definitely we need to we need to get a logo. <laughs> we have friends who are graphic designers and. Both of them are out of the computer game right now. They both have busted computers. I made the logo with my with my completely limited artistic skills. We're going to have a better logo eventually. That's one thing that keeps bothering me. Our logo sucks.
0: Dude, I like it. Well, I'm glad you like it. It, I, it took me like five minutes to make that logo. Whatever, man. I like it a lot. Stop putting yourself down, man. Believe in you. Yeah, thanks again to everybody
1: who tweeted us, at WestworldRyan. Thanks again for the fan mail we got in the email, thewestworldpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for everybody who reviewed on iTunes. You know, we're doing this show for fun. We're, We're fans too, and we're doing this for all the other fans. So thanks again for listening. If you want to go the extra mile, like us on iTunes so other people can find us, follow us on Twitter. Follow us on SoundCloud, you know, all the social media jazz.
0: Be our best friends for life.
1: So join us next week for episode five of Westworld, entitled Contrapasso.
0: I'm James. And I'm Ryan. And this is the Westworld Podcast.